off the ball. It's not okay for him to be fine in a test match like that. It's a fulcrum position where everything runs through nine and ten. You don't get to be fine in in matches like that where you start. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The news round on off the ball with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. This is News Talk. Now then, you're welcome along. So, Stack Show this evening. Andy Dunn, Jerry Thornley reunited on Monday Night Rugby. We have Pat Nevin, who's over in Qatar. England minus their one love armbands off to a very assured start against Iran. Wales kicking off as we speak. Dion Fanning will be in studio for the football show after 9. 53106, the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy here in studio. Hello. Hey, Joe. How are you? Very well. Richie McCormack, good evening. Evening, gents. How are you? Great. The... Seven o'clock fixtures fall quite nicely for us, Michael. I was worried they would be eight o'clock fixtures, in which case we would be wrapping up the show as full time was pretty much on the button. But actually, join us at nine. All the games will be done. We'll have an hour to peruse. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, will we be abandoning some of the rest of the show and some of the nuts and bolts? Will, you know, so we can watch these uh, seven o'clock games? Stay tuned. <laughs> I'd say, you know, if you start hearing weird things on the air or. Stuff just isn't getting fixed or whatever. You know, you could probably blame me for it, but like, who wouldn't be out there watching the World Cup? I would dare say a few penalty shootouts are going to fall on our watch as well. Oh, that's a good. If you're point, in the crowd, hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't gone so. that far. I've def- I haven't got out of the group stages yet. Really? And it's hard enough for me to get into the group stages at the moment. But I have mapped it all out. I'm very aware. I have a wall chart at home. I've already filled in the results <laughs> today. So uh, there you go. And who's winning it? England does far. Oh, sorry. Does in your far. wall chart. Oh, you're sorry. You're not. You're sorry. You didn't do the prediction wall chart. Oh, for God's sake, no. No. Too busy for that. Real time. <laughs> real time. Real time's bad enough. Measure how you get on at the end of the World Cup versus yeah. how, what no. the real results were. No. It's already been quite the two days. Yeah. Gianni Infantino has a capacity to feel like no other human being in the history race. There's nothing he can't feel like. <laughs> uh, that was quite something. And then yesterday, day one. Uh, reports of horrific traffic. So I, I thought that this would be a, you know, 200 billion World Cup. Mm. I would have thought there'll be smooth infrastructure. Nothing but, but smooth sailing, yeah. Apparently, really genuinely quite poor. And that's not an aspect which affects the global audience overly so. No one's that worried, I suspect, uh, around the world. But that, you know, it's kind of surprising. And then the halftime departure of... Many, many, half, half many. the stadium? Of the stadiums. Supporters, uh, yeah. Qatar abysmal on the field. Asian champions. I know Ireland beat them at the Aviva 4-0. We don't beat everyone 4-0 at the Aviva, but they were genuinely abysmal. And then we had Mohamed Bill Salman and Infantini. Yeah. Gianni Infantino hanging out. Because because we should keep politics out of football sometimes. Well, I suppose that was quite striking because for the Russia-Saudi Arabia match at the last World Cup... Putin was there with Bin Salman and our fearless FIFA leader. And so that made a degree of sense. But obviously Saudi Arabia were not playing today. Mm. And 2030 is looming. And so his presence alongside Infantino uh, spoke volumes. Yeah. And that was a, you know, a striking thing, which we might chat to Dion about later on. And then, of course, there's the one love armband situation. I've just seen on ITV had a tweet of Roy Keane and uh, I haven't heard him talk too much about the human rights issues in advance of the tournament, but he was certainly saying, Harry Kane, Gareth Bale, they really should have stuck to their guns here. This is a, mm. a real crime. The FAs should have. 
Yeah. It's it's the it's the FAs who basically stepped in and said, Oh, our players might get bookings here. This is really like, oh, we have to think about this. And there's a couple of things in that. It's like the one love armband was wishy-washy in itself in that it wasn't nailing its colours, for want of a better term, to the LGBTQ plus mark, uh, 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 mast because it wasn't necessarily officially affiliated with that cause. It was just a, hey, can't we all get along kind of gesture, which happened to share some of the rainbow colours and FIFA said that would have fallen foul of their rules. And if you contrast that with what Iran's players and fans did in the stadium today prior to kickoff, whereby none of the players sang the anthem, a lot of the bench didn't either, and their own home fans whistled uh, and jeered the anthem. And you think what might await those players and indeed their families or whoever they might, might know back home as they try and stand up to a regime, not wearing an armband for fear of getting booked is particularly cowardly yeah. and particularly sad. Uh, to see that they can't even make the most s- smallest of gestures uh, here. They went, ah, we might get a book and I don't think we'll do it. And you see the Iranian players doing what they did and you kind of, your heart is full of pride for them. And you see like, women in the crowd with, uh, you know, the Iranians and, and they're crying at the gesture that's being made. And there's England and Wales going, oh, Gareth might miss a group game or Harry might miss a group game. We better not do this. Because I it's thought the, really cowardly. I thought the threat of the yellow card was yeah. almost perfectly set up for Kane and Bale. England in particular are going to cruise through the group. Yeah. Harry Kane's not the type of player that gets booked all that often. And suddenly the wishy-washy is my exact, I think it tweeted as much phraseology of what this armband was in advance yeah. of the tournament. I think we all scoffed at the, the armband idea. It seemed so pitiful mm. and meaningless and consequence-free. Well, suddenly, inadvertently, yeah. FIFA imbued it with a certain yeah. sense of gravitas. And they wilted. They did quite badly the, well. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, but the FA, you're right to mention the FAs, Richie. Like, you know, there's like, hold on, this now affects football. We'll have to find another way to protest. I think was, that's a paraphrase quote from yesterday, but it's not too far off. Like, it was that bad, you know. And then today, I think we have to keep responsibility on the players. Adult men who can make these decisions for themselves, mm-hmm. you go out and you take that yellow card. Big deal. You know what I mean? That makes a gesture out of it. It makes it something real. It makes it a conversation around the world. Instead, they just said, absolutely not. We're here to play football because ultimately you've proven that your wishy-washy empty gesture was a wishy-washy empty gesture because you weren't able to stand up to a nothing. Like FIFA, speaking of wishy-washy, it was a wishy-washy punishment. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. You it know was, what I mean? It was oh, sorry, almost the ideal. The armband no, no, was sorry. General, it, it, was, yeah. it was an absolute ideal consequence. A yellow card for Harry Kane was... Perfection. Yeah. If they had said, we will deduct you four points, then it, I can see how that becomes a very serious conversation behind the scenes. But a yellow card for Harry Kane or for Gareth Bale, that is beautiful. That I'm means- disgusted by them. I have to say, I think that it is, I think cowardly is the word and I think that it is, it's not even that it's cowardly. It shows to me that anything they're talking about, and I've seen a lot of this over so far in the World Cup, it's mentioning these issues for the sake of being seen to mention these issues and I think that when it comes down to it you've proven you couldn't give a shit and that's what I sorry for my language there right but that is I think what it's come down to here because you haven't stood up for again not to repeat myself but the smallest possible punishment that they could they, and, that, that they could have gotten for it and they wouldn't even do that so where is this where where is this stance the common, that they're taking yeah. for the good of the human and race the common response you'll see the common response you'll see is oh it's their country you have to respect their societal laws or their societal mores and you're talking about it, it's not as if like 
it's a societal more for somebody to, I don't know, wear gloves while driving at all times. It's a societal norm for them to literally oppress gay people uh, to the point of arrest or punishment or whatever else they want to do. And you're talking about a world where at the moment in a so-called free country at the weekend, there were gay people slain for being gay. And then you don't have teams who have a wishy-washy gesture like this and they can't stand over it for fear of a booking. Yeah, I'm a bit surprised. I'm a bit surprised that the booking put them off that much. Like I said, a genuine and very significant deterrent would have been a points deduction which puts yeah. your... No, and that that's fair. There's a different conversation there totally, John. Yeah, but like I think a completely different but, conversation but there. It almost actually... Initially, when I heard it was a yellow card, I thought, well, this actually does play into the hands of these European countries because this now upgrades the wishy-washy armband to something with some gravitas. There is the image of a, of a referee having to walk over to Harry yeah. Kane and hold the card aloft. Yeah. Eyeballs on that. Then it's it's something, don't get me wrong, it's still not iconic, but it's it's something a bit more than no, what, it was, memorable. What, what it was going it's to be. It's a moment. It's a moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas Richie says, and I totally agree with you, Richie, the uh, moment of the day is the Iranian woman in tears applauding her national team not singing the anthem. Yeah. Ooh. That was amazing. Powerful. That yeah. was incredible. Honest, that was, that will do very well to be beaten as the moment of the World Cup. Mm. And it doesn't matter that Iran went out and got spanked 6-2. It doesn't matter that they won't get out of the group. She, I just captured something. And yeah. she understood, as Richie said, that's not a, I suspect, a consequence-free gesture on the part of those players. I and don't think was, so, it, no. And so when you contrast that with all the... Um, talk of England and Southgate and Kane to a degree has talked about the importance of this armband and mm-hmm. wearing this armband in advance of the Where are they when World they're Cup. needed? Once there was the, a scintilla of a consequence, not even a significant one, folded, abandoned priorities are very much to the fore. So it's kind of like, we, we talk about the football obviously as well with yeah. Pat Nevin, but for this tournament where we wondered once the football starts, will all the politicking feel suddenly very irrelevant or, yeah. or small? Almost the inverse of that in a way. And it because the football was so uh, bad. So. The football was awful. Yeah. Uh, well, like England were good, but again, they were playing against Game a team who weren't in their points. in their league whatsoever. And yesterday was abysmal. Uh, can I just mention one thing about like the the uh, it being over there and the football taking over? I feel like that's happened very easily for a lot of the people that I've seen in Qatar so far. Now, and I don't mean the journalists that we'll speak to. I mean on TV. So you're talking about like the BBC halftime coverage like would be a surprise to nobody but it was like it was just giddy can't believe we're winning 3-0 this is bad I sort of disagree with you on that okay no that's fine that's fine but but the other person we talked spoke about we spoke about in the show last week or two weeks ago and you said will this be a permanent stain on him is Gary Neville right and working for B in sports and I actually was almost defensive of him I would say in that like I just think that there's you know he could have these genuine opinions plus he can do this and he might not see the you know, the contradiction. I don't know. But just reading his quotes, I, I watched this as well, but should I have his quotes here from how he dealt with the question on being sports yesterday when he made his first thing, right? You're like you're like Dunphy here in Venables. Put on your glasses. <laughs> yeah, hold on. He goes, uh, he's gotta come here to little Paddyland. He says, If you're from England, you're not going to go you're not quite going to think the same as you will over here in Qatar. I think that's the reality of it. The workers who built these stadiums do need thanking and honouring in the right way. The football is here. It's the greatest sports tournament in the world. There should be a World Cup in an Arab country. There should be a World Cup in a Muslim country. There should be a World Cup in the Middle East. That's a fact. In football, we should also challenge and scrutinise the things that go in 
go on in every country that is playing in ours and then including Qatar, right? Okay. For me, the workers who built these stadiums do need thanking and honouring in the right way. And then back to the how great the football is and how much we need this. That is one of the, I think, one of the most cynical, gross comments I can ever remember hearing from someone who sees himself as an activist. He's going on there to say, we're going to gloss over this, but I have to say something about the worker thing. But it's like, in his, he, that's not about six and a half thousand people who are dead. That is about me being seen to mention the thing that I said out that people want me to say on, on Be In while still having this cowardly comment about how, you know, we have to respect other cultures and we have to get on with the football. Mm. You know, like, that's Gary Neville. So, whatever you think about him, we're not going to expect anything, anything more from any of the other pundits if that's how Gary Neville is behaving. Yeah, I did sort of share a similar sentiment that when, when you're saying things like, theoretically, we need to talk about what's happened here, that's a good time maybe to do it. Yeah. Like to say, because I've said to you, I think the best opportunities for people to make their mark almost in the Qatar World Cup will be their first time on air where they're asked a broad question about the situation and the yeah. closer when they're asked what kind of World Cup this has been. And he was given an open question by Richard Keyes in the clip. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to take your moment there, take your 30, 40, 50 seconds sitting beside John Terry who's not going to say it or Andy Gray on the other side to say, I don't know how many workers died, but clearly thousands did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reports have been shameful. The treatment of workers in this country, and I'm speaking to you, Denneby, in sports lens, the treatment has been abysmal. And this country needs to think about the way it's treating workers. And nothing was done. And there's blood on the hands of people in this country and there's blood in these stadiums. Yeah. You know, something, something akin to that, it, whereas, as you said, it was a bit more of a... Look, that needs to be talked about. Obviously not here at this perfectly appropriate place to talk about it, <laughs> but at another time. <laughs> no, exactly, yeah. You put your finger on exactly what the problem is there. Yeah, exactly. He said it so that people watching in England and the UK and yeah, Europe yeah, yeah. will say it and he goes, oh, he did, he did allude to it. Mm. But that's not, that's not based on a real feeling, you know, and that, that really, I don't know, I'm just very, very I know you are. pissed off with it. We have grandstanded enough for one opening to a show. Uh, Richie, the <laughs> news round is brought to you with Gillette in association with Movember, Effortless Shave, Magnificent Mo. You can sign up or donate now at movember.com. And you are starting with the World Cup. So Wales, 64 years away. Yeah, and the 16 minutes played in Al Ryan tonight and it's still scoreless between the United States and Wales. That game in Group B, uh, Wales playing their first game, as I say, in 64 years at a World Cup Finals. Earlier in the group, as you mentioned, England thrashing Iran by six goals to two. Bakayo Saka scored two of those with Jude Bellingham, Raheem Sterling and substitutes Marcus Rashford and Jack Grealish also finding the net today. But manager Gareth Southgate has distanced himself from the decision to abandon the one-love armband. The English FA took the decision to fall in line with FIFA's rules regarding such gestures due to threat of bookings. Other federations like the Welsh and Dutch have also backed down from wearing the armband, but Southgate says the decision came from above his head. It's not something that the players or myself have been involved with over the last 24 hours. Um, Those discussions have been ongoing between several European nations and FIFA. I actually, I do understand FIFA's situation in that you can set a precedent and it's very difficult then, where do do you draw a line? So, um, yeah, I think um, in an ideal world, that, that would have been a much clearer situation earlier, but it's not something that's been a distraction for us because we, as I said 
yesterday we had to uh, focus on the football. You know, there's so much else going on, um, but we can't be involved in that now. We've got to just concentrate on performances, concentrate on our training, um, and especially the players. You, you know, it's it's not for them to have to deal with that. People know what we stand for. People know this group of players. You know, we're taking the knee because it's something we feel we can make a difference with and there are some things that I'm not sure we're going to be able to make a difference with and therefore we should channel our energies in the right directions. He is a perfect, calm, decent, well, you know, well-meaning. Portrays himself as decent. Measured anyway, yeah. uh, human, I think. He's not a bad figurehead, Gareth. I, Sarkat, I think, to be fair to him, it is easier for us to sit here. He's in the thick of it. How much disruption does he want to cause for his team? They are there to win a World Cup. I saw suggestions maybe he could have worn the armband and take the yellow every game. Yeah, Be I saw Alex fine. Scott wearing it on BBC actually. Um, but she, she doesn't have a, she doesn't have anything to lose. Oh no, absolutely not. I'm just saying that there was you know it wasn't just the players that could have made a gesture, but. Yeah, I just, look. I mean, I don't know why. Why didn't they just? Why didn't does, does Harry Kane have to lead out the team every every game if you're worried about suspensions? Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, you could get you could move it around. Switch up Although the captain, yeah. you would feel like you know, am I the worst player on the team if I'm going out first <laughs> with the armband this time? <laughs> well, no, you're trusted not to get another yellow card in the other two games. Yeah, you know, Jordan Pickford won. I wouldn't trust him not to get a yellow. <laughs> that's yeah, a fair point. Yeah. Actually, Probably I just the worst, the the worst the name minute. you could have gone with first. Yeah. <laughs> Harry Maguire, we want you to lead out the team today. <laughs> and next week, actually. <laughs> Probably a good show after the yeah. England, uh, very assured. I was thinking watching the game as they just completely bossed it and dominated. Like, there was a time in very recent history where the golden generation would be outplayed by Trinidad and Tobago. You know, they're, uh, no, that Lampard is, and Gerrard yeah. running around against their midfield three and just being completely outplayed at these tournaments. Whereas they have it down now. Just the technical levels of English football have gone through the roof. Bellingham, brilliant. What a header. Uh, Bukayo Saka, yeah, welcome to the big time. That was a good. Amazing. That was a good selection call. You have to yeah. say it wasn't straight. It wasn't uh, um, automatic. The Raheem Sterling finish was exceptional. Harry Kane, brilliant. by the way, was uh, provider extraordinaire. I mean, he was he was brilliant. This is not Harry Kane out of form, didn't score at the Euros. This is Harry Kane bang in form. And then even just the Grealish goal, like in some respects, there's nothing that dramatic or, or new about it. But it's a team and flow where it's the the ball played I think is it Rashford who flicks it to Bellingham and Bellingham first time and Wilson you know it, it's all it's all really prescribed and worked out and Wilson is already spinning and turning as the ball is flicked to Bellingham like and that look that type of um, exchange of forward and back and forward and mm. player further at the pitch spins in behind again that, that you know there's academies all over the world who implement that and it's it's not complex but when it's when it's put together that brilliantly um, it's very hard to stop and then in, in Wilson's composure and back to Grealish and it's tapping I mean and Rashford's goal was really yeah. well taken as well so they did concede two they did two ones. okay in fairness came out like speaking of the BBC straight after it was like fuming yeah. it's like we, we have to be better we can't be, do, we can't be giving away goals like that and you know I, I think you're right though I think the, the days of England being at a level where they might not go necessarily go any further in the World Cup, but the days of them not being able to go out and just take care of business against a much inferior team are gone. Yeah, they're just they're, they're a different style of good. Southgate's uh, yeah. yeah, totally. Southgate's I guarantee you only fixated on the two goals conceded, and there was a volley in the first half, uh, Luke Shaw's side, where they were completely outnumbered because he knows England in a semi final or quarter final might score one. So I still wouldn't be surprised if he goes to a back five. 
He went with the four today because he knew England would have all the ball and four three three fine. Mm. He may well do that for the whole group stage. Why he went with like I know he Choir. actually played well and you know he's con- we don't he's many options. off with a concussion now. But I just he's played so little football and his form has been so bad. And you only have two. I was more surprised he went with Sterling actually. Yeah, I know you really like Sterling again. Foden. It's like he likes Sterling. He has the his favourites, doesn't he? Yeah, McGuire Sorry, looks like. Maguire looks like he was caught out for the for the first goal for Iran, and that will be a worry because they will they will come across better teams uh, than Iran during this this World Cup. And the way he was caught out, but like basically, spatial awareness is lacking of pace trying to track back in that instance uh, to allow Tarimi to score that goal was really worrying if you're an England fan, and it should be like regardless of a six two win because you're going to come up against a decent side in the quarterfinals, uh, possibly a France, I think something like that. But um, yeah, France, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it that would be a worry, but they don't have like you mentioned, they don't have many options in defence to go and rectify that problem. Yeah. So we'll talk to Pat Nevin. I think he was at the game at that stadium. He was at the Ecuador uh game yesterday. Oh so right. He saw the England game today. Okay. Plenty so, of legroom. Ecuador and Qatar <laughs> game. Yeah. May not get too much into the Ecuador <laughs> performance with him. Somebody says the pontificating of the British and English media in particular has been difficult to take. What a shallow share of hypocrites. First hurdle, they crumble. Somebody says they should have worn the armband. They could have had different players wear the armband every match to limit the suspension aspect. Great show as always, guys, says Dermot. Yeah, Mick made that point as well. It's a great point. And then somebody, Connor, says Iranian players stood up to Aitala's English players run from yellow cards. I mean, that did exacerbate the feeling that they had really crumbled when the Iranian players stood up the way they did. Yeah, just absolutely. In that game, especially. It should be pointed out, though, that England aren't the only ones who can protest in this World Cup. We seem to be fixated no, on No, but they that. were first up. They said they would, and Wales have obviously said they wouldn't yeah. either. But, like, well, I mean, there's all, everyone should be. We played the clip, or Richie, you played that news around a couple of weeks ago. The Welsh yeah. manager was saying, in the strongest possible terms, we will wear that armband. And it was like a real, we won't be cowed out there kind of aspect to yeah. it, you know? I wonder why you said it as recently as yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. So you know, yeah. why are shows. they all on board here? Why is Southgate saying like I understand where FIFA are coming from? I just wonder. Like, you don't forget, like it's a small area. Everyone's out there together. You just wonder is there other stuff going on? I well, don't he, have any information on that. Oh, by I know the that. way, I'm not. He said, I understand where FIFA are coming from in that if they set this precedent, it never ends. But I don't think Gartsek should be worried about that. Yeah. That's future FIFA's problem to worry about. Yeah, Not Wales, right. as you like, you just mentioned the words of before. They knew there was probably going to be some sort of backlash from FIFA, mm. and then immediately wilting. Mm. I just wonder why. Uh, Richie, we're obviously all still coming down from the Irish game last night. It was uh, a thriller in Malta. <laughs> Yeah, we should mention the Dutch beating Senegal with two goals to nil. Those goals coming late in the game from Cody Gakpo and Davy Klassen. But yeah, Stephen Kenny says it was important that his side kept a clean sheet last night. They ended the year, the Republic of Ireland, with a 1-0 drab victory over Malta. And the only goal of the game came fortuitously for Callum Robinson in the second half. Kenny admitting afterwards that the game wasn't one to remember. It was important to keep a clean sheet tonight. Two games, tough games in three days. Norway game was uh, had a high level of intensity and you know it was a very tactical game and really uh, took a lot out of the players I felt you know I think we learned a lot in that Norway game and they paid us a lot of respect tonight Malta no game in international football away from home is easy to win and one of the things about Malta is that their improved record recently seeing they've got some decent results recently so there's a little bit of a resurgence there there's no doubt the match itself wasn't a classic far from it uh, but we're pleased that we got a clean sheet and there were some good aspects to it but we played we played a lot better than lost do you know what I mean we played a lot better than lost 
World Cup's on. It will completely overshadow this international week for Ireland, but it's been a bad one. It, it's been a worryingly bad one ahead of next year. You have to yeah. say that, that we're still here this close to qualification. There have been, you know, so much understanding around what Stephen Kenny's trying to do. But last night was poor. And then the first half the other evening, I don't think Didier Mann was wrong in anything he said. It was really no. bad. It just was. You just can't play football like that where it's keeping the ball. You're going nowhere. Zero penetration. It's zero so advancement slow. up the pitch. Slow it's so comfortable with the opposition. Yeah, as you said, so slow. And then Norway get the ball. Two, three passes. They're moving. They're doing something. It's worrying. You can see it throughout, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I suppose uh, if you were looking for a positive, it would be the 20 minutes before the goal against Norway and say, right, this is how Ireland play when there's that urgency that's possibly needed and that we might have more against the big teams like France and like Netherlands and even Greece, you know, they're the performances that needed. But I just, it's so hard to come out with any positives after watching that crap last night. Like, you know, it was so... You're very grumpy today. Sorry, am I? Language, sorry, can, can we throw a pen across this yeah, You're allowed to use crap, aren't you? I, should, I shouldn't have said the other word earlier. I but you said it with a certain... You should have thrown your pen as you said <laughs> For publicity. Uh, no, I, I just... It's so hard watching us, Ireland. And this is a, an issue with all through Stephen Kenny's regime, like, not being able to play against these awful teams. Now, the difference is, like, Ireland dominate these games in a way that they didn't before. But they were winning them more easily before when we were, like, you know, in the Mick McCarthy, Martin O'Neill... Etc. Days, you know, point. but it's just they're, they're struggling so much against these teams, and like if it wasn't for like a howler of a goalkeeper mistake, yeah. Ireland wouldn't have won that game last night. I don't think we were ever going to break them down. It never no. felt like we would. And I know the recent Malta record was mentioned there, but they are one hundred and nineteen places below Ireland, nonetheless. Uh, and also, it was they didn't even he didn't try anything. You know, like Jeff Hendrick played in both games. It was you know John Egan, Josh Cullen, Nathan Collins. Callum Robinson like the 90 minutes in both games for I, these I guys you know? so, I sort of I see where you're coming from I sort of don't mind that now because I think the age of experimentation is over there are massive games next up like yeah. the, I don't care there's no point trying anyone now you have what you have you've done what you've done we need to be ready now this is it the next time they all get together is France it's rock and roll yeah. there might be a friendly before that but it, really it's rock and roll so. sure I know I know but I don't even mean play Nobody, but you got to keep Jeff Hendrick happy. You got to you got to keep a sense of momentum or continuity. You didn't think that we should have a look at Will Smallbone over the course of a full international window? Not especially. He's playing better than Jeff Hendrick in the championship. You know what I mean? I'm not saying he's a better option for Ireland. He doesn't have the experience, etc. But unless Tim Kenny thinks he's a very realistic chance of playing against yeah, France, okay. no, probably not at this stage. Like it's it's here, you know. Um, Rich, we have news of Johnny Sexton. So injured in the warm-up, of course, the weekend. Yeah, and he's going to miss Leinster's URC meeting with Glasgow this Saturday. The Ireland captain ruled out with a calf injury that forced him out of the win over the Wallabies at the weekend. A potential replacement for Sexton this weekend is Harry Byrne, who has recovered from a hamstring injury. In better news for Leo Cullen, Jordan Larmer and James Lowe step up their recoveries from respective foot and calf injuries this week. Leinster scrum coach Robin McBride was in front of the media today paying tribute to the newly crowned World Rugby Player of the Year, Josh Van der Flyer. Yeah, great, great. Um, and he's... He's a top bloke as well, do you know what I mean? Um, uh, yeah, he's very, he's the most humble fella, I think. Um, so, no, tough to bits for him and uh, th- thoroughly deserved as well, you know. He's one of the most consistent performers, week in, week out, very reliable, does his homework, does his, his diligence, you know, off the field, is second to none. 
Um, so, yeah, chuff to bits for him. Rich, if you can find anyone who doesn't think Josh Van der is the nicest man in the world, do let us know. Yeah, uh, he's, uh, well he's, he's a very popular dude. Yeah, we're going to be positive about that, though. I know we're out of time, but just, just in case. No, no, I don't have anything specific to say, but just in, you're calling me a grumpy old man or whatever. I was going to be very positive about an incredible achievement of Josh Van der Fleer being World Player of the Year. Even the way you're saying that sounds like you're complaining. I'm complaining to you. <laughs> Josh Van der Fleer, World Player of the Year. It's a disgrace. He's a cod pill. That's what your tone saying to you. What? Don't be putting words in my mouth. No, his tone there. Don't be putting... <laughs> Don't be analysing me like that. Um, Richie, we're done. Thank you. Nice and nice. Michael, Cheers. thanks very much. Yeah, you say that now. <laughs>